I want you to know that you can find a way to do this that feels okay to you. What matters is that you're doing the talking. But when you think about the concepts of my work and what I really mean by brag is I redefine it as stating facts. You're not lying, you're not manipulating, you're not misleading, but you're stating facts about your work strategically to get ahead in your career. Those brags that you are stating strategically need to go to the ears of people who can reward you or that are in charge of you and your work. If talking about your accomplishments and the work you have done sounds icky and difficult, and you struggle with self-advocacy, this episode is just what you need to hear. Today, we speak to Meredith Feynman. She's a best-selling author of Brag Better, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion, a host, speaker, writer, and entrepreneur. Brag Better is based on her 10 years of building a framework for strategic self-promotion grounded in public relations, strategic communications, and leadership professional development. This book is for the qualified quiet, those that have done the work but don't know how to talk about it. But the good news for all of us is that there is an art to learning how to brag better and it's a skill as well as a muscle that we should all learn to flex. So listen up and enjoy this episode. Hi, this is Janice. And I'm Sarah N. And we're your hosts for Explore This, a podcast for the modern day working professional. Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. Welcome, Meredith, to the Explore This podcast. We know that you're dialing in all the way from Washington, and it's quite a late evening for you, so we're super grateful you're taking the time to do this. Let's jump right in. You know, we're so excited to hear more about your work on bragging better. But just to kick us off, share with our audience, why do you care so deeply about bragging better and what's your story hello everyone listening to this wherever you may be i am in washington dc in the u.s and i am the author of brag better master the art of fearless self-promotion for me my passion around helping people talk about themselves comes from my seeing the wrong people get rewarded for what they've done which is to say that underrepresented voices or people who are as quick to talk about themselves and share their work, lose out on really important things in career. So whether that is an internship or whether that's a corporate board seat, you have to have the ability to talk about yourself and your work in a way that other people can understand. Because unfortunately, we live in a world that are the most thoughtful or the ones that have done the hard work. And so while we have this idea that you sort of need to put your head down and do the work and people will notice your work and not you. You really have to be able to talk about and market yourself. And this comes from a mixture of things. I grew up in media and I've been in and around media for a really, really long time. I'm also a longtime freelance writer and speaker. And I was a publicist and I was familiar with telling people's stories so that the media would pay attention to them. But I realized that was actually very, very useful for everyone at work and that you shouldn't know how to do these things. They do not come naturally and they are actually a skill set that you can learn. And that's why I wrote the book. Thanks for sharing that with us. I think you articulated it really well about how bragging is really the ability to talk about yourself and, and your work in a way that people can understand. But we also know that you have a really neat acronym for brag. So maybe if you could share about this a little bit and help our audience understand what the differentiation is. Because when you think about the word bragging, I think 
some negative connotations might come to mind. So how, in your words, how do you define bragging? The acronym for brag, B-R-A-G, came after the book was published. It was published in 2020, but I wanted to really break down these principles. I'm also in the business of getting people's attention. So I decided that instead of creating a word brag to get people's attention, and I decided that emotional response you have to that word, I could change your feeling, but I had your attention. And, you know, there's, it's an intentional use of the word. And I've had a lot of long conversations about it because it, it creates really strong feelings in people, often some very strong negative feelings. And so I want to challenge those too, because I want to know where your strong negative feelings come from. What's your perception of bragging? What is a person like who brags? And what don't you like about that? Because that'll actually distinctly tell you how you do want to share your work. What I worry about is that you see people who you perceive as obnoxious or you perceive as bragging and you say, you know what? I don't like how they're doing that. It is gross. It is, you know, unseemly. And so as a result, I'm going to say nothing. I want you to know that you can find a way to do this that feels okay to you. What matters is that you're doing the talking. But when you think about the concepts of my work and what I really mean by brag is I redefine it as stating facts. You're not lying. You're not manipulating. You're not misleading, but you're stating facts about your work strategically to get ahead in your career. Those brags that you are stating strategically need to go to the ears of people who can reward you or that are in charge of you and your work. The acronym itself, though, is B. We have bold or brave. You can use either. But this is something that's hard to do. But once you start doing it, it's like any other skill or practice or you might have. We have lots of different things we practice. This is a muscle that you have to train. R, we have relevant. So when you're sharing about your work and you're touting your work and talking positively about your work and stating those facts, what does that have to do with not only the conversation at hand or the workplace environment that you have, but you know, how is that relevant to what's currently happening in, well, let's say, that meeting, but also how is it relevant to the goals you're trying to achieve? A is for authentic, which is, as I said, whether you use the word or not, what I want you to do is share your work and share the things you've done. And you can do that in a way that feels authentic to you. And that can mean on social media, it can mean just one-on-one -on -one talking to someone. You have to feel out what feels like you and what doesn't feel like you. And then G is goal-oriented, um, which is what's the point of this? You know, we're not sharing just to share. We're sharing so that the right people, your bosses, people that manage you, people that might be in charge of a pay raise, are the ones that are hearing these things. Like, what is your goal? Is it a bigger title? Is it a new job? Is it more responsibility? And so what's the goal here in that brag? So that's, that is the acronym that, that I use. Thanks, Meredith. I think in, in pretty much a few minutes, you've summarized, you know, the whole essence. <laughs> but of course, we'd still like to dive in a little bit more with you. And specifically in your book, Brag Better, you refer to a very niche audience that you like to reach out to and you refer to them as the qualified quiet. And evidently, this is a term that Janice and myself resonate with, which is why when we heard your podcast on we heard your interview on other podcasts, you know, we felt that it's something that we felt was going to be relevant to our audience as well. So can you specify and share with us a little bit more about how you define the qualified quiet and why this is something that they should definitely listen out 
too. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out a name and this pop, the qualified quiet is something that I came up with and that I own that popped into my head one day. So I was trying to find a way to define the audience that I was talking about. It's actually not niche. It's actually huge. It's those of us that have done the work, but don't know how to talk about it. And to some degree, that's most of us. So if you, you know, and you can identify as a member of the qualified quiet, even if you're a loud person, like it doesn't always match the volume of your voice. It can mean I've done my work, but I shouldn't talk about it. Or I was raised to never speak of yourself in a certain positive light or um, certain factors, cultural, gender, all of that impacts your thoughts about yourself and how you should appear and how you should sound and the kind of space you should take up. We talk a lot about taking up more space and the space that I'm talking about there is airtime and sound. And so it's about taking up more space. And the qualified quiet is irrespective of gender. It is irrespective of level of seniority. I've, you know, I've talked to tens of thousands of people. I've worked on these concepts for over a decade. And so, you know, I've spoken to 18 years old who identify with being parts of the qualified quiet. I've talked to very, very senior household names of people that you never think would identify with that. And so what it really means is, you know, you sit back a little bit and you know your stuff, but you either don't feel a place to share it or a way to share it or know how to share it. And so what I always want to be clear about is that the qualified quiet is a strength and not a weakness. It's much harder to put in the time and do the work. Figuring out how to talk about it is a skill that you can learn. It's going to be a little bit different. It might be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, but it's not as hard as the work you've done getting good at your job. I think it's so interesting how you referenced that bragging is irrespective of gender, culture, seniority. It's also very important to point out that from a cultural point of view, and we're going to speak about that a little bit more as well, you know, we are sometimes taught to not boast and we didn't grow up learning how to talk about our strengths and putting ourselves out there. And, and you're, you rightly pointed out as well that oftentimes we don't know how to talk about it. And so to us, I think this is something we feel is correlated to the imposter syndrome as well. And it is indeed one of the reasons that people find it hard to brag better. And I guess that's the whole point of your book and you know why you're so passionate about this. So what new way that we can reframe how we think about this? Yeah. So what I'll say is I always thought what I did was very, very American. And the international response, particularly the Asian market response, has been really significant. And I'll say cultural factors, and I do lots of conversations about bragging better in Asian culture in the U.S. and outside of it, even with, you know, Asian American friends of mine. And regardless of culture, maybe you grew up in an Asian culture where it was absolutely just counter to core values or maybe you know, in the United States, for example, you grew up as a woman in the South, which is more conservative and has certain ideas of how women should show up and be and sound. Or maybe you were a man somewhere else in the world and your parents were scientists. And so the idea that you would talk about your work without utter precision and peer-reviewed studies and scientific research and evidence is completely unfathomable. So your background really can exacerbate these things or they can just feel like it's running really counter to who you are, but they're not. This is a skill. This is a professional tool in your tool belt that you're using to get what you want in your career that 
of accolades, whether that's money, whether that's attention, whether that's bigger projects, whether that's a bigger title, that people who haven't done as much work that you have end up getting over you, which is what's frustrating to me. You know, if if I just teach you how to talk about your work, even in work context, it can be isolated. You know, I stick really to career, the career of it all. It's really important to remember that this is a means to an end. This is a tool to get what you want to advance your career in the way that, you know, you're taught to negotiate your salary or you're taught to do a lot of other things at work. Like this is just another one of those skills. And Imposter syndrome is deeply tied to bragging this idea that you might be bad at your job or you might not know enough. Or in the case of bragging better, what if I brag too much? What if people think I'm obnoxious? Typically, what those two things have in common is a level of self-awareness and self-criticism that don't exist with people who are doing those things. So, you know, imposter syndrome strikes all the wrong people in the same way that, you know, bragging better is difficult for all of the wrong people. So, you know, the people you know that are loud about things uh, and haven't necessarily done the work for them aren't worried that people are going to think they're obnoxious. Or when it comes to imposter syndrome, you know, nobody who's really bad at their job, like super bad at their job, is, is that worried that they're bad at their job. It's usually a sign that you're good at your job. And so the same thing is that it's a sign that you should be talking about your work, but also if you have the fear that you might brag too much, it's going to be almost impossible for you to do that because what's stopping you is that level of self-awareness. I love how you pointed out, you know, the nuances between those who are credible and have done the work versus those who can come across as obnoxious or, you know, very narcissistic even, right? And being on the receiving end of someone who is bragging in that way, it sometimes do feel like they might be blowing their own trumpet. So we want to make sure that we definitely are on the opposing side end of the spectrum of being able to talk about our work in a way that is credible and you know, comes across as empowering as well. Not boastful, not icky or obnoxious as, as you mentioned earlier. So we want to explore the how with you. How can we find that balance and do it in such a way that, you know, comes across as credible to the person on the receiving end? One thing that makes this so uniquely difficult is that it's very subjective and that it is, you know, one person's obnoxious is another person's meek is another person's aggressive is another person's shy. So it also ties into how we worry about others perceiving us or how we come across Now, those factors for women or, you know, other underrepresented groups are very real. Like that's a real thing. Prejudices exist. That's not made up at all. And I don't want anyone to feel like I'm gaslighting them into thinking that stuff isn't real. Like you have as, you know, personally a woman at work, like there are ways that my male friends can act in certain spaces and ways you can't like, and that's just the truth. So I always want to acknowledge that like you're playing in a broken system and this stuff isn't going to go away like these are major structural issues that need to change and who we listen to who we pay attention to and who we allow to take up space and so what I'll say is you know if you think someone's obnoxious I'm more curious about what that means to you and I would examine that I would encourage anyone listening to this to examine if someone's obnoxious to you why Oh, because they're talking really loud. Well, why does that bother you? Oh, because 
when I was younger, there was this kid at school who always talked over me and I really hated it. Okay, why? It made me feel small. And then I'm curious about like where that person is doing it wrong and where you can, you know, it's like, well, okay, what the core of that is I felt small. So when people talk over me, I feel small. So how am I going to work on my reaction to that? It's not to yell back, but maybe having things prepared, maybe being able to do business with that person. You know, this stuff is kind of murky and complicated, but I always want to examine the judgments behind it or the feelings behind it too, because it'll usually tell you something about that. Like you're never going to be perfect at this. There is no perfect at this. You know, I was sending out some emails today and I was like, God, you really sound annoying. The worst critic is is ourselves. And the truth is, is like people full tilt are not going to be like, man, you're so obnoxious, at least to your face. I mean, I think people have said that about me in my work, but hopefully they just say it behind my back so that I don't have to feel upset about it. But, you know, you're going to get some of that. Nobody's going to love you all the time. And what I don't want is for you to be afraid and not take some of those chances. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the reason why we want to share more about this is because we want our audience to recognize the benefits. And there is indeed a case for them to learn how to brag better because it is also about opportunities that you might be missing out on if you don't. And having this toolkit in your arsenal, it essentially will help with accelerating your career. A really interesting thing that we would like to also explore with you is the flip side of the coin, which is that there are indeed people who are not qualified and yet still have no problems talking about their achievements and bragging about them. And in addition, you mentioned about this very briefly, our society reward loud and we do place a disproportionate value on volume. And there is a terribly inverse relationship between volume and merit. And at the end of the day, reality is we cannot pretend that everyone is qualified because there is such a thing as incompetency also. So how do you think about this? Mm -hmm. I mean, incompetent people aren't worried that they're incompetent. Like this is the thing is like, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably, and you're interested in this topic, like you're probably not introspective or self-aware enough to be like, man, I'm incompetent. Like that's not really how it works. And yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. If you're listening to this, you know someone we work with who isn't as smart as you, who isn't as good at their job as you, but they have no problem talking about themselves. And guess what? They get a bigger title. They get more money. And it's really unfair. I mean, that's where the core of my work comes from is this idea that, you know, this how we pay attention is not going to change. We're going to listen to who's really cutting through that noise. And so teaching people how to do that is what I'm really passionate about because the truth is if it's between you, someone who's qualified and has learned how to brag better, and that other person who brags well but is incompetent, every single time you're going to get chosen instead. Because if you're operating at the same level of volume, but they see the things you've done, now that can't rule out like someone lying or extenuating circumstances. But given those two candidates, you are the choice every time. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, it's true that your competency will speak for itself. And that's why it's important to also let your work be amplified if it's good work. Because you're not lying. You're not making things up. It's something that you already have the ability to do, but it's just being kind of amplified to those who should know about your work. People think that talking about your work is a waste of time, that it's 
you know, you're wasting time, you're not getting things done. Like you have to market yourself and your work to the people around you because they won't know. And especially in a COVID, wherever we are in the pandemic or post or, you know, it being the rest of the foreseeable future, you know, you're behind a screen. And so unless you are directly telling someone what you've done, they just will not know. And, you know, it's, this is always something I get to too late in an interview is like, you shouldn't be doing this yourself. You should find allies at work to help amplify your voice and you should be amplify, amplifying the voices of other people. That's really, really important is this is a team sport. And you, if let's say you are having trouble bragging better and you enlist the person you're closest with at work and you say, okay, when we're in meetings together, I'm going to make sure that I say your ideas are good and vice versa. I mean, in the book, which is available wherever you get books there, I did over two dozen interviews with different people who are very visible and very thoughtful. And they give a lot of good advice on this. And a lot of them talk about, you know, doing this on behalf of and in service of others. And if people hadn't bragged on their behalf, they wouldn't be where they are and vice versa. I mean, I came up with the idea for Brag Better, the book in 2013. It didn't get published until 2020. I pushed and pushed and pushed. And it was because someone bragged on my behalf to a publisher that the ball got rolling again in 2018. And so the point is, is it can't and shouldn't be done alone. But also, you know, volume is about the, it's not only about who's loudest, it's about how many voices are saying the same thing. I really love that, Meredith. And I want to kind of explore that a bit more with you. So I think this also has to do with culture, right? Culture of the workplace that you are in, culture of the people that you surround yourself with because the fact of the matter is not everyone might be as aligned with you or think about bragging the same way that you do. And so being able to, you know, be your allies and amplify your voice together. What are some actionable steps you can take to sort of get this movement started of let's all collectively brag better as a team and be able to elevate our whole collective? What are some steps that you can share with us? Yeah, so first I'll say is you can start wherever you are and it can be really, really small. This doesn't have to be you like standing up in front of your entire company and saying something. It can be saying, okay, you know, once a week, I'm going to put in my calendar for 10 minutes. I'm going to write down three things I'm proud of that I did this week. Some can be work-related, some cannot. Then you say, okay, I'm going to do those 10 minutes. And then after I'm going to call a friend and tell them my brag for the week. Then after that, next month passes. Okay, I'm going to do those 10 minutes a week. I'm going to call my friend. And then every Wednesday, I'm going to make sure that I let you know my boss or let someone I work with know what I'm working on, something I'm proud of. And then you do those three things and then so on and so forth. You're building a brag, bragging practice. This is something you're going to do throughout your entire career. So it doesn't have to all happen right now. And it can also be, okay, I have that 10 minutes. I'm not ready to talk to anyone yet. I'm going to tell myself in the mirror what I'm proud of. That I, Or maybe it's that buddy that you picked at work. Okay, once a week, we're going to have lunch and we're just going to talk about the work we've done and what we're proud of. And then we're going to say one thing that we're proud of about each other. So those are just like some really small things you can do. I would also just take a look at how you talk about yourself now. Maybe read through some emails, maybe look at your annual review and see how you're framing yourself. If you're having trouble seeing that, you can share it with a friend or a family member and say, do I think I'm really doing myself justice here? Do you think I'm underplaying some things that I've done? And, and then together, 
you know, for future annual reviews, making sure that you're not undercutting yourself or making sure you're not downplaying your work, but also getting other people involved if you're having trouble. This is always something I always want to point out is it's really easy to downplay the stuff that we're very good at because it comes very easily to you. That just happened to me recently with something I was working on. And someone was like, well, that's crazy. That was crazy. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's just like what I do. And they're like, no, that was, that was crazy. And I was like, oh, even, you know, it's, if you're good at something, it's really, if something comes naturally to you, it's really easy to say that it was easy and that it was nothing and to dismiss it. So the way this plays out in a work context is let's say, you know, you're really good at it and you can make it, you know, I'm terrible, terrible, terrible at Excel. But this is just like a concrete example. And, you know, your colleague or somebody is like knows you're this Excel wizard and you're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's just, you know, it's just something I do. Like, that is such an opportunity. There are a lot of things that are really hard for people. Like, I can't imagine being good at that. So like, that's something worth talking about. It's And if you're having trouble picking those things out too, you can ask your colleagues or even friends. It's like, hey, what do I do that impresses you? You know, what do I do that you like or that you wish you could do? And you can always say, you know, I've heard this podcast or you can always blame it on my book or whatever you want. But that'll be really telling because it won't be things you think of yourself. And those are really good brags too. Meredith, I love that you made a very relevant point that even resonates with me personally on how if something is your strength and it comes so naturally to you, you often will underplay it because you're, you, you, it, it comes so naturally that you don't even think of it as something you're putting extra effort, but you don't realize that that is a skill and a talent that not everyone has. And I think that happened to me very recently as well. And just without going too much into details, it was regarding planning a company event. And because by nature, I'm somebody who's very detail oriented, I look into things that people don't. And when they kind of, you know, pass on a compliment to say that, you know, you, you really look into the things and make sure, you know, the whole event is absolutely successful. And I'm just like thinking in my head, well, isn't that pretty normal? Oh, and that, and and those two lines, those two lines you just stated, you know, go into an annual review if you're asked to write about yourself. It's like, I think of the things that people don't, I'm extremely detail oriented. For example, for this event we did, I looked into X and Y and Z and X and Y and Z person noticed and noted that um, you know, my ability to see details that others don't see is an asset to the company. Yeah, really great points. I I definitely will try to do that as well. And another point we'll like to explore with you, Meredith, is that in your book, Bright Battle, you also teach us about the specific words that undermine us because at the end of the day, sometimes knowing how to brag is also knowing what not to say. And so on the topic of verbal undercutting, you mentioned a little bit about that as well as self-deprecating. Tell us more about it and more importantly, why is it actually harmful? And some examples, of course. Yeah. So this can look like apologizing or saying, oh, I just want to know or saying, oh, this is a dumb question, but, or I hate to brag, but, or self-promotion alert. It's like when you put that in front of whatever it is you're trying to say, that's all someone can focus on because also, you know, as humans, we remember things that are told to us first. So I'm like, oh, I remember that she feels uncomfortable with this So that's all I'm taking away from this conversation. And then you may as well not brag at all. You know, I talk about the humor element, the self-deprecating element can be fun. I think behind a screen, it's not as productive at all. 
I also think that sometimes this looks like not being able to accept a compliment or what we just talked about and saying we're not taking credit saying, oh, you know, isn't that normal? It's like, no, someone wouldn't be pointing it out if it were or it's not normal to them. And sometimes you surround ourselves with other, you know, very detail oriented, highly competent people. And so that does seem normal, but it's not. Yeah, I think that's a really, really fair point. Meredith, we want to wrap up our conversation, which has been so insightful and, you know, very, very relatable as well for Sarah and myself and we believe our audience with an actionable question. Of course, we always take it home with that. And we want to ask you, what are three key actionable tips that you can share with us, you know, who are working in corporate? Because we understand a lot of your books that is focused on people in communication. So we want to ask you, what are the actionable tips that you can share with us who are working in corporate or even in the creative industry to start bragging better and would love to hear some tangible examples. Yeah, so what I said earlier about putting 10 minutes on your calendar, just 10, 15 minutes every week, it doesn't matter when it is. That's like you're bragging 15 minutes, whether you're doing it for yourself or writing those down or doing it to other people. I also want you to draft an email or Slack or correspondence to one of your managers and say, hey, you know, I want to make sure I'm communicating my wins to you. What is the best way to do that? It's a really easy clarifying question. If your boss likes to talk on the phone, writing them a memo isn't going to help you. So if they say, oh, you know, I think I have a pretty good sense of what you're doing. Say, okay, I want to make sure it's really important to me this year to um, be better at sharing my work with others. It also makes you a better worker and employee to have stronger communication skills. So I see those are two things. And then I would pick someone at your workplace that you feel comfortable with and then tell them that you're working on these things and maybe you can do it together. You have an ally in this. And you can also pick a friend and say, hey, this is so hard for me. I'm so scared. Like, I don't even know where to begin. Can I like tell you the stuff I'm doing? Just so you get comfortable hearing yourself talk about yourself, but also accepting the praise that someone that cares about you will give to you, which is something you really need to practice. So even if your friend's like, wow, that's really awesome. Clock how you feel. Does that feel really uncomfortable? Does that feel gross? Why does that feel gross? That feels gross because it feels like I didn't deserve it. Okay, why do you think you didn't deserve it? I think I didn't deserve it because it feels like something normal. It feels like something everyone should be able to do, you know, just to play off that last example. Thank you so much, Meredith. And the good news for Janice and I is that we have each other to explore doing that as well. Being each other's bouncing block in order to practice and exercise this muscle on self-advocacy as well as bragging better. So Meredith, we would like to end this conversation by thank you so much for your time and also just to share with our audience and listeners about the importance about knowing how we can talk about ourselves and that bragging better is indeed a skill that we should have in our professional toolkit. And while bragging is always hard, it's also because staying quiet is easy and doing the hard work will take guts and this is a muscle that we need to flex. So Meredith, any final words for our listeners? You can find me anywhere at Meredith Feynman, meredithfeynman.com. I am hosting a webinar on September 22nd on writing a book proposal. If that's of interest to you and you're listening to this, you think you might want to write a book. That's on my website. There's also information on booking me one-on-one, buying the book. You can get on the wait list for my next course round, which will probably be in October. It hasn't been announced yet. And you can find me everywhere at Meredith Feynman. Thank you so much, Meredith. It was such a pleasure and honor speaking to you. We'll love to catch up with you soon. Thank you. If you've stuck around to the end of this episode, we want to say thank you for exploring with us. 
And if you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and most importantly, share this episode with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so you can also connect with us on Instagram using the Instagram handle Explore This Podcast. A C T S P L O R E This Podcast. New episodes for Explore This drops every Monday at 8 p.m. See you then!